Welcome to Have You Got Your Shit Together with me, Caitlin Orion, the podcast that celebrates not having your shit together. On today's episode, we have Layla Reynolds. Layla is an illustrator, curator, and organizer in the trade union movement. She's worked with clients including BBC, Greater London Assembly, and Tate. Her work has been exhibited at the VNA, and as part of her work, she has appeared on numerous panels, chaired live events, and debated on national TV. As well as this, she was a founding member of Galden magazine, an award-winning media company committed to sharing the perspectives of people of colour from marginalised genders. She was the art director there until 2019 and now works as a freelance illustrator, producer and curator. Ever since we've met, I've found Layla to be incredibly smart, principled, witty and inspiring and I'm so pleased she's agreed to come onto this podcast. Can't wait for you to meet her. Do you do this all the time? <laughs> you into it? No. Okay. <laughs> hey, Layla. Hello. Um, welcome. Welcome to the pod. Um, Thanks. Thank you for coming. I've been trying to get you on for a while. You've been elusive. You've been like a Pokemon that I've tried to catch. And now I've caught you. <laughs> and now you're here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so, on a scale of shit to together... How are you feeling today? <laughs> I think it's probably usually a two. Okay. Oh, wow. Realistically. Okay. Um, I think today it's like a six. Oh. Yeah. Which is like average, but like not amazing, not like tremendous. But I guess if it's usually a two for you, then that's quite good. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little sighing. Um, yeah. No, it's like relatively okay. I think mm. if I go into the office, I feel like good yeah I think if I go into like any kind of workspace I feel like pretty good yeah yeah so is which that... is like weird because it's like this is something I used to like resist a lot in the past I'd be like you shouldn't like be constrained by like ideas of like mm. what um what being like a uh consistent worker is mm-hmm. you know? yeah. yeah I know I think I have a lot of friends who feel the same way who are like working from home yeah Definitely. Just having like a different environment to go into. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's how I feel. Mm-hmm. So just for like people who don't know, what is your job? So I am a pretty like multi-hyphenate, I would say, <laughs> which is the cringiest term. But like I curate, so I'm an, like an art curator. Mm-hmm. And I also am a trade unionist. So I work for a union. I work for Equity. Which is the Actors Union. Yeah. So like specifically performers. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your work. All, per- all performers. Um, yeah. So performers like stage, screen, etc. Mm-hmm. So I do that. And then I also like, yeah, have the kind of like creative side to my own stuff as well. But yeah, kind of getting that kind of like Base, which means that I feel like I'm working in like a structured environment helps a lot. And how do you find the balance between like doing like the art that you do and like the creating alongside like is it like a nine to five job? Yeah, it is. Does it, it help? Do you do you find the time to do it? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's quite tricky to be honest. Yeah. I think I've always like because I came from a background with, like, Galdem and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that, like, started when I was 19. 
So Galdem is the magazine that was started in Bristol? Yeah, Bristol. Yeah. So I was in my second year of uni mm-hmm. and I was, yeah, literally 19. Mm. And that was, yeah, eight years ago now. That kind of kicked off on like keeping everything afloat at the same time, like loads yeah. of different things at the same time. Uh-huh. So I don't think I've ever had a, well, I've had like a couple of periods, but like they were quite short um, where I was able to like, yeah, juggling all these different things at the same time, basically. Wow. Um, so I'm quite used to doing that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like not the best thing in the world for your mental health, but it's what I'm used to. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. It's weird. I always remember my dad saying to me, like, um, if you want to get a job done, give it to a busy man. <laughs> because, like, yeah. I have free time when I'm not working as an actor. And I feel like I should be fucking writing plays constantly and, like, doing, achieving, achieving, achieving. And actually, I find it harder when I don't have yeah. the nine to five of, like, going to drama school or... I'm always really interested in, like, your kind of schedule. Oh, because, really? Which is, like, probably not what this is about, but... Um, because, like, I'm sure that you, like, work for, like, periods and then yeah. don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How's exactly. that feel? Rough. Let me tell you, Layla. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me on your podcast. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, I'll answer. Uh, yeah, no, it's hard. Um, yeah, it's, it's weird. And I always remember listening to the Two Shot podcast, which is, like, an actor's podcast. Um, and I can't remember who said it on it, but someone said, you know, being an actor isn't actually about when you have the job, it's about managing to cope when you're out of the job yeah and maintaining your mental health and did it feel weird like the first time that happened being out of work yeah 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 (laughs) yeah because I'd I'd come from so I went to drama school which was um you know it was more than nine to five you'd get up at like 7 30 to get in for like eight and you'd finish at half six yeah and that was every single day so like Monday to Friday so whilst like my mates were at university and doing like freshers and shit like that, we didn't have that because that's it's mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, so different. It was very like vacational. So you'd mm. go in Monday to Friday, you'd go out on Friday night, Saturday night, then back in. Um and that was for three years and it was mm. super intense. So then to kind of it felt like being at school. So to then be plopped out of that into the real world where yeah. A, there's no um confirmation that you are gonna get a job on the other side of it. I guess that's like with everything, but I mean specifically with acting. Yeah, there's no. It's not even on talent. It's on look and opportunity and whether things align at the right time. Um, So leaving that and coming to London was like overwhelming. And what I've found the hardest has been trying to find some semblance of structure. Yeah, and you know having jobs and stuff. No, no, no. no. I don't, and it's something that I'm, like, constantly chasing. And doing this podcast, me and Ant were both saying this the other day, because especially for, like, self-employment life, like, this is, like, a sense of purpose. And, yeah, yeah. and what would you say, Ant? Join us. It's, <laughs> it's like, um, so I did, uh, I went back to university as a mature student. That's something I never thought I'd ever do. And um, achieved a really good grade and did all the things I wanted to do. And then had this structure for, like, three years that I never thought I'd ever have and you had to meet deadlines and it was it was like the kind of push that I needed because I'd had a few years where I'd been like being freelance and not sure where I wanted to go and music's like a tough game so doing music production and you you get the highs and then you get the lows yeah which is fine but when you're at the lows and then you've changed a project and all your things in your life are different and you're comparing yourself to different people it's really hard to get back up 
So that gave me the structure. Yeah. And this podcast is so similar to that mm. because, okay, I'm just recording it and editing it, but it just gives you that extra bit of like, okay, we've got this big project and we're going to fucking oh, make it happen. Yeah. And we're going to meet some great I people. I want to ask more questions. No, I mean, you can, listen, it's a conversation. <laughs> no, it's a conversation. This is what it is, you know? Like, How um, do you guys know each other? <laughs> me and Anne go way back to about five months ago. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Um, I we met on my last shift, I think. So I moved house. Yeah, what? Yeah, I moved house, and I was like, I feel completely, yeah, lost at the moment, and I just need. I was in between series, yeah, and I was like, I just need something that's like grounding. And I'd moved to a completely new area, and I was like, what's gonna help me get to know that makes people? Sense. Yeah, work in a coffee shop. You'll get to like talk to people, and and I really enjoyed and it. Met that. Anyway, and I'd kind of had this idea for this podcast for like three years and ironically it's called have you got Why your shit you together because i hadn't got my shit together enough to do it and because i had the idea but i had absolutely no idea how to bring it about yeah. yeah and then in a chat with Anne, he was kind of like i'm looking to kind of make a podcast and edit it and i was like well funny you should say that because i have a podcast good to go <laughs> um and then he's like yeah fuck it let's do it and then it's kind of started from there and it's just been great. It's been so good for my mental health. And Aww. the beauty of the conversation is that it's just been so pleasant having people come in and just being like open with us and having really honest conversation with us. And like, yeah, it's made us feel more sane oh, because no. we're all just kind of struggling through together. So yeah, that's our bio. What's yours? I love it. <laughs> uh, I'll wait till I okay. get a question. Yeah, that's fine. Moving on. <laughs> Okay, so on that then, what does having your shit together mean to you? Like, what does that look like? Oh God, it's such a difficult question. Because I feel like when I think of someone who has their shit together, it's like always like stereotypes of having their shit together. Yeah. And it's always like someone who's like kind of stuff that I don't necessarily value in my own life. so Which like, is mad, isn't it? I, I feel yeah, the same. Yeah, so it's like probably wealthy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> probably like owns a house or is on the way to owning a house yeah um like just seems quite tidy mm-hmm. like not messy all of this stuff like kind of just very like classical stereotypes of like having your shit together yeah i'd see i'd yeah. say but i think that's not necessarily what i value but that's kind of what comes across to me and i think that's an insecurity thing yeah that's it, all it is. is but also it's because it's what's been drilled into us yeah. for a really long time i had this thought the other day i was talking to my housemate and we we're both like we've just like decided that we're going to have kids at some point but like we don't actually know whether we want them and it's just this inevitable thing that at some point we will want kids so they're kind of there and it's but actually i don't really want that so that's been yeah. fed into my psyche at some point and yeah, and it's not it's not the thing that will actually make you happy. I think it's also like the terror of like you keep seeing people of your age bracket mm-hmm. doing like similar things. Yeah. And you're like, I didn't ever realise that this was necessarily going to happen. So like loads of people from my school, for instance, have got like big families now. Wow, big families. <laughs> well, like Popping a couple up. of kids. A couple you know of kids? I mean? I'm not even joking. Oh my like God. a couple of kids. Wow. And... They look really happy and content. Yeah, yeah. But they look <laughs> happy and content. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's not necessarily what I want, but, like, they do seem, like, put together, mm. which is another thing. So have you ever thought, like, what it means to you then? Um, what, what might, like, an alternative version of that be? It's 
oh God, this all seems really vapid That's when okay. I'm saying it. Um, but it's always been, I think, if I look deep down, it's always been like success. Yeah. Um, which kind of seems intrinsically tied to capitalism and just being really like successful in that that sense. But do you think... Uh, which is what I've always cared about. Right. Always. <laughs> success. Yeah. Or fulfillment. Because I think uh, those two different things. Achievement. Which again. <laughs> I, well, I, so I was homeschooled uh-huh. for like a year. Right. Mm, a year, like three months. Mm-hmm. So I moved from London to Suffolk mm-hmm. uh, when I was like 10, 11. And my mum tried to homeschool me and I stopped doing any work. I stopped doing anything. Because like a lack of motivation. Well, there was no competition. <gasps> you thrive in a competitive environment. To be had. Wow, fair, yeah. And... She was like, oh, my God, like, what's happened to this girl? Like, oh she used God. to be so driven. Yeah, Like, yeah. she used to be so, like, yeah, into But work. I think that's, like, so relatable to so many people. Yeah. Like, that definitely... Uh, yeah. Of fear of... I think, I, I, I think I'm pushed forward through fear of failure, which I guess is a similar thing. It's like... Yeah. And if I see someone else doing well, it... Not necessarily competitive, but it also just encourages me because I want to be like that or, you know. Yeah. I think and when you when there's a lack of that, yeah, it's kind of hard to motivate yourself. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's inherently bad, but uh, yeah, I prefer that not to be the case well, for me as a child. Oh, well. But, um, but yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. I think that's relatable to so many people, though. Yeah. Okay. So... An object that makes you feel like you've got your shit together yeah, and why. This is really boring. That's fine. What would yours be, by the way? I actually don't know. It cha- it changes, but I think at the moment it's like a journal. Yeah, that's And a good like one. doing morning pages. Oh my God, I didn't realise how good journaling was. Because I, I think the word journaling is very American. So yeah. I was like... Put off by it. Absolutely not. Enough. And then I broke up with my ex. Yeah. And then like was going to the park and like having a right. <laughs> God. And I was like, wow, this is actually helpful. Yeah, it's so helpful. It's, it's just doing a diary. It just, But it forces you to sit with it and get specific yeah. rather than just being like, I am sad because I am heartbroken. Yeah. You're like, I'm sad because this happened and he said this and I feel like this about it. And, and, then, you're done. Done. and then you're done and it's out. Yeah, and you're good. not, it also, it's that classic thing of like, I did this so much. Like on your iPhone notes, write in the message that you're going to send yeah. them. Don't fucking send it. Did you, did you <laughs> have to do just that? For you. Oh yeah. Like my yeah. notes is made up of like <laughs> fucking text messages that should never be sent and they haven't been sent. But the act of like doing it and like releasing it from yourself yeah. is very like, yeah. My best mate was like, I've sent a like letter to every ex I've ever had. I actually Oof. sent it. And I was like, I don't agree. I don't I think don't you should have done that. that. I just, I just think you'll regret it. But also, like the last line is like, don't reply to this. It's like this is just all my thoughts. So it's just what kind you of you loading onto them. It's not consensual, is it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I, it's it's a little bit wow. Yeah, it's just I don't get why. So Cl- I, closure. I would say yeah for closure, but, but it's how also is that very, closure when you sent it? It's you laying your shit out, isn't yeah. it? And then by saying it's, it's don't quite, reply, it's quite passive aggressive, though, isn't it? Well. <laughs> It's like, 
Don't diss my. But I guess it depends. Like it depends on the circumstances of the breakup. Yeah. If you feel like you have had loads of realizations since being out of it, but then I think you have to ask yourself, who is it actually for? Because actually, is the act of you just writing it enough? Because you've kind of put your thoughts together. What are you wanting from it? Well, that's why. And also, if you're saying don't reply, like what are you wanting from it? Are you just wanting to make them feel like shit? Or well, that's what I think. Or are you saying don't reply? But secretly want them to reply in which case is a trick and it's not fair yeah true (laughs) Um, true true true, I don't know it's it's interesting though but yeah because I've I've you know been want to write a letter (laughs) never sent it but again it was just like a processing thing yeah um and thank fuck I haven't sent them because especially when you come out of a breakup there's loads of realizations that happen so you might after two months later you might feel one way about it yeah another two months you might feel another way about it another six months you might be like oh I actually feel nothing and that letter will have been sent at a time where you're not going to always feel like that and actually there's something about trying to maintain totally agree some kind of control yeah totally <laughs> I don't agree. know totally agree that's kind of my thoughts on I that I think just like putting as like like as few things as possible in written form <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and yeah, so I brought a fob a fob I'm really embarrassed. Like, this is what I always thought, like, as soon as you asked me, like, ages ago, uh-huh. when we were going to come on the podcast before. But it represents a lot. <laughs> What's on the... What is, I don't actually know what a fob is. Gets me into places. Gets you into places. At work. Nice. So, like, if I don't have this, then I'm asking for permission. Yeah. I'm whatsapping. Yeah, I'm being, yeah. like, knocking on windows. Which you'd never want. And this, like, empowers me. <gasps> and it's so small. So small but effective. So effective. Uh, it's not a deep one, but it's a true one. And wh- where does it let you into? Uh, to doors. Into doors. And doors and stuff. Uh, special places? Uh, just work. Office. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a fob, so yeah. I am jealous. It may. Uh, yeah. I, I basically I I notice its absence when I don't have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you feel like a child asking for permission. Exactly. I'm professional. Exactly. Yeah. I'm just like, please, <laughs> at the windows. So. If you can imagine that, that's yeah, what I'm feeling. <laughs> well, nice. Thank you for sharing yeah, your fob. I forget it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Cool. In this little IKEA purse, which yeah. I love. It's very cute. time in your life where you felt like you really had your shit together uh I don't think it's innate to me to ever feel like I have mm-hmm. my shit together really mm-hmm. but I would say that when I was like at my peak of like doing loads of Gaudem stuff mm-hmm. I was able to think of my day job as not hugely significant um because I had this other side job side hustle yeah which was like doing really well yeah so that made me feel like empowered in that Mm -hmm. sense so I would say that that made me feel like I had my shit together Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah Yeah, that makes complete sense and especially when your job is so I think like the thing with art and creativity is that it's so intrinsically linked to who you are as a person yeah and get being fulfilled by that in a way that is like your day-to-day is really empowering and yeah yeah 
And then, like, another example would be, like, I did the... I did an exhibition last year, which was um, along with, like, Beau Arts in East mm-hmm. London. Um, and that was an exhibition, kind of like a group exhibition for, like, lots of uh, people who were involved in, like, the open studios and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was just, like, a career moment. Like, it was, like, a peak, peak career moment. Mm-hmm. And that made me feel like I had my shit together. Um, why, did it, why did it feel peak? Because uh, it, I think, oh, well, this is like therapy. <laughs> um, I think basically I've always been involved in kind of group things. Mm-hmm. And that ended up being kind of like an individual expression yeah, of my so, creativity. Yeah. So I was like, oh my God, like this is like an expression of like what I would like to curate, what I would like to art direct. That's so cool. Yeah, so it felt very kind of like significant in that sense. And super tangible, I guess, in terms yeah. of like a moment that you can look back on and be like, oh, fuck, I did that. Yeah, it was really cool. And also like, so from what I understand, like that is showing off with the artist's work and stuff like that. Yeah. So kind of like, I don't know, lifting other people up as well. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It felt really good. Um but yeah, even having this conversation, I'm like realizing that everything is like quite career focused. Which, but I think, like, I think mine would be the same. You reckon? I definitely think so, and yeah. I think most people's here have been. Yeah, but it's also, a shame, it's, isn't it? Well, I don't know because your career is art, and I think that is so valuable, and it's like yeah. expression, and it's literally. I mean, just look at the pandemic. Like when when art died. Yeah. What did we have? We were fucking clinging to Netflix for like some, yeah. something because yeah, all right. we had was going to the shop and coming home and like that was that was what made life worth living. That is true. So like I actually think it's incredibly valuable. Yeah. The thing that fulfills you and the thing that makes you feel the most is yeah. getting to do your art. Like I feel a complete lack of it when I can't do it because it's a way of expressing myself. And and for me, like acting has always been escapism. Really? So, yeah, like growing up when I was, you know, Oh, didn't have many friends at school. All right, <laughs> hard to believe. Um, it's hard to believe. But like going on like a Monday and a Wednesday to my little drama group and getting to pretend to be someone else and like it was so fulfilling and it was like you're escaping into yourself yeah. and stuff like that and that's what art is. Like I was I was talking to my friend about this the other day because I used to go to drama classes like mm-hmm. outside of um, school. I used to get a panic attack every week. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> Did you? That's so like funny. My head, my head, my head was like I had a migraine every time. Really? But yeah. You had the thought of performing in but, front of people. Yeah, but like funny. I like was like so thought it was like me. Like I so thought that was like my vibe that I'd do it every week. But like oh I'd my get god, you put headache. yourself through it. How awful! That is mad. Yeah. Do you know what's crazy is um, I did um, yeah I did um, music growing up and I uh, from the age of. Year two, I drummed, right? <laughs> yeah. And I used to like love it, but whenever it came to performing in front of people, yeah. I'd cry. Oh my like, God. because I was so scared of doing it in front of people. Like, singing. Yeah. Fucking hated singing in front of people. I really, I guitar. love to sing. So, <laughs> wow. You've got a mic. <laughs> Hit it. I will. <laughs> but, um, no, I, I was the same though. Like, in, like, and it was so weird because I remember, like, in order to progress in drumming, you'd have to go and do your, like, what would it be, your levels or whatever, I don't know. Um, 
But each night before it, I'd like sit up and I'd cry to my mum and dad. Oh my and my mum was like, I don't get it because you can get up on stage. <laughs> on stage as a little eight-year-old. Get up on stage. You can get up onto the <laughs> Olivier stage and you can do a soliloquy. You can't sing. <laughs> but you can't drum. That's a four-by-four beat oh in front of Alan, who's like judging you. But it was it was true. And, and yeah. I always kind of said it was because because <sighs> acting is being someone else, whereas like music yeah, people is always so say this, but exposing. I don't believe it. I mean, it depends who you're playing, doesn't it? Yeah. But um, music felt so exposing and it's so obvious to tell if anyone can sing and it's so yeah. obvious to tell if someone can't drum in time. But like <laughs> acting is subjective and I guess this, you know, I guess I was hiding behind that. But um, but yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Just yeah. like how one thing empowers one person and the other, like it completely kind yeah. of terrifies them. I once did a, um, like I'd done like a summer school, like a drama summer school. Wow, so you were semi-professional. Semi-professional. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would say. I'd be like a junior equity member. Um, yeah, I was like a, I was doing like a summer school mm-hmm. and I decided I wanted to be like on the back row because I like wasn't enjoying it that much. Right, okay. And then my mum came to watch me and she cried. She was like, you should have been on the front. <laughs> cried because she was proud? She cri- no, she cried because she was upset that, that I wasn't on the, front the, the limelight. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Oh, that's the fishy parent for you. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. how differently your path could have turned. Yeah. Could have yeah. Been that. God, yeah. That's interesting. Mm. From real. Okay. A time in your life where you felt like you didn't have your shit together. Didn't have my shit together. Mm. Um. Oh, God. I'm trying to think of one of the, like, many 15 occasions. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say, maybe, like, as one specific example, mm-hmm. I would say, like, going to university mm-hmm. so I initially like applied for English literature and then last minute like changed it to mm-hmm. politics also didn't visit any of the universities as well so didn't really know what I was doing at no, all no, no, basically no. Yeah. and just like randomly picked it out of the blue uh-huh. um, and I remember like on the day like visiting Bristol University like leaving my mum in a random hotel and like being like, I'm gonna be never coming home again. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. So I mean you landed on your feet with Bristol. It's so yeah, cool. Yeah, Bristol was like a lucky I think yeah. it was like a lucky choice. Yeah. But I think I didn't know what I was doing and it was like a big stroke of luck that I managed to meet the people that I did. Yeah. Obviously, like, yeah, Galdan was like a random stroke of luck and like all of this. Yeah. Um but I didn't I didn't have a clue what I was doing. What no. was it that made you change from English lit to politics? Um, it's a bit of a confusing one. Basically, I just felt like I was really good at English literature. <laughs> Don't need it, mate. <laughs> so I was like, I want to experience something new. Yeah, so. Which is the cockiness of an 18-year-old, mm. basically. Mm. Um, Did you ever regret that? Yeah. Did you? <laughs> yeah, I tried to change back. Did you? Why? Yeah. Um, because I hated politics. Well, it was international relations and, like, mm. it was all really complex and, like, Felt quite lame, um, but they didn't let me change back. Right. So, yeah, yeah. I had to stay with politics. <laughs> so it was really dry as well. Like it was mm. very quite. It was quite a conservative course. Like right. Bristol University is conservative in general. Right. So like none of it's quite like. So I ended up my dissertation. It was all about um, the Black British Arts Movement mm-hmm. and like the nineteen eighties and like how that was all politicized. But that was a real struggle to get like heard. I had to go to the, like, the art, the history of art department, mm. all of this. Like, I had to, like, it wasn't accepted by really? the politics um, 
area. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So how was it that you got involved in Galdem then? Were they all on your course? So, so I there was a group mm-hmm. at Bristol Uni, which was um, University of Bristol Women of Colour. Mm-hmm. And it had just been set up in like 2015, I think. And it was just to like have... Yeah, some like solidarity between mm. like women of colour at Bristol Uni, um, which was severely lacking. Um, and I went to like one meeting, I think. It was quite disorientated, quite unfocused. And then I think Liv, um, who is the founder of Galdem, she kind of was at that meeting and like decided there needed to be something different. Wow. And she posted on the wall of um that group on facebook Mm -hmm. being like i'm thinking of starting this thing yeah and i replied because basically i'd always done loads of illustration Mm -hmm. and i was considering doing illustration as a career um and i'd stopped doing it and like basically my family were like you need to like start doing this again like for your mental health and everything yeah so i ended up replying to the post being like hi if you want any illustration or anything I'd be up for oh going involved. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, totally. And then we met up in the ass, the Arts and Social Sciences <laughs> Library. <laughs> um, and I think I was the first person that she met. Wow. Um, and yeah, it just went from there, really. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah. So in terms of your illustration and stuff, because that is such a huge part of who you are, and then I always get surprised that it's not what you did at university. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. is... is that is art and stuff something that you've always done or was it something that you kind of found at some point or it was funny like I when I went to university I was like quite confused because I I hadn't realized how much time I'd spent on the art art stuff do you know when you're like looking at your A levels and you're like oh because I like did art as an A level and then I was like oh it was just part of it but then I realized that I was spent like 70% of my time doing the the illustration in yeah. the art. <laughs> so, like, when I went off to study politics, I was like, oh, I've got nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously nothing left. Um, um, so, yeah, so I had to make a concerted effort mm-hmm. to, like, keep doing that. Yeah. Um, and then when I got involved with Galdem, I became art director there and, like, did, well, did the majority of the illustration for, like, quite a long time. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, I I think then I like realized my interest in kind of in, uh, curating mm-hmm. artwork as mm-hmm. opposed to like just doing it myself. Yeah, because I don't think I'm necessarily that good. I think I'm alright. So I disagree. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think there's so many like great people. So yeah. it's nice to like select and like yeah. to work with them. But it's so, so mad that you, like it's it that you started when you were 19. Yeah, and then just kind of like found your own career in it yeah I think it's lucky that Gardam was so popular mm-hmm. basically yeah yeah so it kind of it was, but I don't, it I was don't, a good boost for a lot of the people it's who lucky, were working but it also makes complete sense because <coughs> there was such a lack of that existing like of course yeah people were kind of crying out for something like that yeah it's, it's an interesting one I think it was really needed at the time mm. I think like the environment has changed a lot since yeah. then. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Wow. Three things that make you feel like shit. 
I don't like anyone telling me what to do, ever. Interesting. <laughs> Which is my own fault. Tell yeah. us why, Lila. <laughs> um, I just find it really annoying. Mm-hmm. Can't handle it. Yeah. Uh, I think that's only child syndrome, probably. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow, wow, wow. You got yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's definitely only child syndrome because mm-hmm. I just can't get over it. <laughs> 27 at this age. God, I still yeah. can't go over it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really makes me hate them. <laughs> <laughs> Even if they're right. Yeah. Oh my God. I hate it. Would you how many how many siblings? I've got you? one older sister. One. Okay. But but I I do get this a little bit. Like yeah. if someone tells me what to do, it will make me want to do the opposite thing. And I'll just kind of but then I probably will do it. I'll just like drag my heels doing it. Yeah, fair enough. Also, don't like being told what to do. <laughs> If I was already thinking of doing it, because then it looks like I was going to oh, do it because awful. you said it. The worst. But I was actually going to do it because I wanted to do it. Yeah. All right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's one of them. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of like a like practical one. Uh, okay, here's a practical one. If I get a gherkin that's like <laughs> not sweet and sour in equal measures, that makes, makes me feel like, like shit. shit. Yeah. Wow. So you if like gherkins? Oh my god, I bloody love Do gherkins. You? It's on my hinge profile. <laughs> <laughs> Which I was not expecting the amount of um, messages back I get about that. Really? Yeah. What What are the What are the people saying? They're loving it. They're loving it. <laughs> wow. The reviews are in. And the they reviews love the chat. love it. They're loving the gherkin chat. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, if it's like not the proper amount of sweet and sour, and sour. it needs to be both. I don't know whether I've really sat down and thought what a gherkin tastes like. What do you mean? Vinegary is what I would say. Gherkin fan? Have you heard the pickle theory? No. Or is it the gherkin theory? So apparently, if you're in a relationship, one of you has to like pickles and one can't. For really? it to work, and you both like pickles, it's not going to work. You need to get yeah, out Yeah, but it might also not work if you eat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who told me this. Really? What is the thing? My you, ex where'd you get these quotes from? <laughs> yeah, where have you heard that? TikTok. TikTok. TikTok, I don't have TikTok. Yeah, I've TikTok. No. You're lying. Do you know what I found out yesterday? I'm Gen Z. No, you're not. How old are you? 95. I'm, I'm, I'm not 95. Oh. I'm a millennial. Well, I Googled it and it came up that you're Gen, not Gen Z, Z was... Okay. You're not Gen Z. I thought I was so trendy. 93 and 97 is Gen Z. Oh, well, maybe I'm on the cusp. Um, um, yeah, so that sour. makes me upset if it's like not the right what amount. What would you eat a gherkin on? Just What's your claim. favourite way to... In- really? Yeah, I'll have a whole jar. Is a gherkin a pickled cucumber? Yeah. Interesting. You wouldn't have it like on a sandwich? I'll have a whole jar. Oh. Do you know what I learned the other day? What? Do you know, did you watch Love Island? Yeah. Um, so, Ekin, Ekin C. Yeah. Her last name is Juljulolu. Mm-hmm. It means son of a cynic. I was waiting for the gherkin thing. No, there's no relation. <laughs> <laughs> son of a cynic. Yeah. Ekin son of a cynic. Yeah, I feel like you should put that out. Okay. Your third thing that makes you feel thing. like shit. When someone tells me something that I've already told them. So what, like, Ekin Sue's last name is Son of a Cynic? <laughs> yeah, if I told them that the week before and they told me that a oh, week wow. later, I'd be fuming. Really? Yeah. Because people haven't listened to you? Is that yeah. a thing about I've being listened, listened to? Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Okay, I'm getting I'm getting princess vibes. Getting <laughs> 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 the princess on the pee, but You're with a gherkin. Outrageous. <laughs> hey, aunt. Hey. 
You do a great job in editing this podcast, might I say. If people like the podcast, what do they need to do? Like it. What else? Follow it on social media. And then what? They could share it with every single person they know. Thanks, Ant. You can go back to your corner now. Bye. Three things that make you feel like the shit. Oh, my God, three. <laughs> so I'm just going to think about, like, recent times. Mm-hmm. So when I was on that TUC, We Demand Better march okay. that was fucking great yeah so like feeling like you're part of some kind of collective action so just for context what was that so a f- couple of months ago or like a month or so ago there was the um trade union congresses mm-hmm. we demand better march which was like a kind of congregation of like a bunch of different unions um to demand better from the government on the cost of living crisis and i attended that and just felt really good for like mm-hmm a load of people to be and I guess just like channeling yeah and feeling like you're kind of well I think I think if you're not engaged in kind of like anything political like in terms of a group Mm. you can feel really kind of like listless Mm. and feel like oh all of it's going to shit yeah but the reality is like there's a lot you can do Mm -hmm. so that felt really like positive yeah. and felt like we were kind of bringing about some kind of change and some kind of action yeah. or at least um, encouraging each other yeah. to like go about and do stuff. Yeah. So that made me feel really good. Made yeah. me feel like the shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. And I guess when at the moment when it does feel so overwhelmingly shit, yeah. like, and it is so easy to feel apathetic and to feel like there's just no hope, but something like that, you see how many people are angry and you see how many people are, like, fighting for it also. Yeah. And totally. there's something reassuring. In yeah. I think I think you can often see, like, people, be like, complaining on Twitter or whatever yeah. and being like, oh, it's all going to shit. But, like, there's a lot, yeah, there's a lot you can do, yeah. basically. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. So that may feel great. If I've dedicated, like, a huge day, like, this is on a personal level as opposed to, like, the solidarity stuff that I was talking about just now. But, like, if I've spent, like, a day, like, working on some artwork or creating something, that's, like, a real, like, kind of mental health, like, Mm. um, yeah, like, a a pillar for me. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, working on something creative like that all day will make me feel great, make me feel like the shit. Do you still find that your art is something that you do just for you or has it tended to become something that you've been, um, it's attached to like getting paid and that sort of stuff? It goes through patches, I think. Now, because I've concentrated a lot of my creative efforts into curating, Mm -hmm. I can kind of do the um, illustrative stuff myself Mm -hmm. for myself. Mm -hmm. But I think because it's always hard to motivate yourself sometimes mm-hmm. like the money can be a good, a good motivator yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure um but yeah like I think I think it's always good I think yeah there's some there's something about like how kind of every every person is an artist or something mm. they just like need to like figure out how to get yeah. back to that place yeah, yeah. and I think a lot of people are afraid of like the outcomes but like the reality is like it's all gonna be it's all gonna be helpful for yeah. you yeah. yeah, and there's something amazing about starting the day off with nothing and finishing it with something. Yeah, totally. To show for it. Totally, that's yeah. such a good way to think about yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. One more. Um, like, okay, like making sure that I'm being as good a friend mm-hmm. and kind of person that people know as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of fulfilling my 
obligations as someone that people know. Yeah. And what what's that look like? Just like not letting people down, mm. which like I do all the time. But like when I don't, I feel good about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Something that makes you lose your shit in a positive and a negative way. I feel like Mick Lynch right now makes me lose my shit. He's just doing everything that like Keir Starmer should be doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, such a great leader for the Labour movement. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with him yeah. and such a good speaker. And like, it's just nice to hear like a working class voice, yeah. like represent things that have been so unrepresented, unrepresented <laughs> <laughs> for years in British politics. Yeah. Um, he makes me lose my shit. I'm obsessed. I, really? That's all I watch on TikTok. Yeah. Um, just like little clips of him. Yeah. So I'm obsessed with him. Mm-hmm. What doesn't make me lose my shirt um, or makes me lose my shit in a bad way? Um, I can't even say like the opposite. I can't even say like Rishi and Liz Truss because it's so kind of like what we've had for yeah, years. Exactly. It's the status quo. Yeah. Um, Kind of the reaction to him, I would say. I would say, like, the media, like, not asking. Why are the profits... Why are the profits not being redistributed mm-hmm. amongst the workers? That's, like, the only question. And the way it's being framed is there aren't enough profits or there aren't enough... There's not enough money to, like, put out to these people. Like, it's a bare minimum, like, essentials conversation. And the reality is that's being misrepresented. So, like, yeah. every time I hear that conversation on Newsnight or hear that on BBC News, it fucks me off. Yeah, like and because what gets brought into the conversation is, like, well, doctors don't get paid this. Or, yeah. Like, it's mad. But the reality is that the money is being concentrated somewhere. Yeah. Like, the money exists. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, it, also, it like, makes me fume. Yeah, and also, like, people should just be asking for more generally. Yeah. Like, rather yeah. than thinking that they're asking for too much, like, this is the bare minimum. Everyone should be yeah. supporting that and thinking if it's possible for them. Yeah. Their union is strong enough. Yeah. Like, it's almost like a jealousy, isn't it? I've heard on the radio people complaining about it and yeah, being like, well, I don't get this. And, you know, I just have to, like, muddle through and, and stuff like that. And it's like, well, sorry for you. But... I'm fascinated to think, like, what that mentality is because yeah. it's definitely, like, what my grandma thinks. Like, it's definitely, like, a kind of working-class mentality for like some if people. I, if I've suffered, then we, we should all have suffer. to suffer. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. And it's and I guess it's, like, not being able to see an alternative and, and to visualise what that might look like and to think that it might be possible for them and not also kind of that thing of you ought to be grateful for what you have mm. and not wanting to rock the boat. Yeah. And... Yeah, I think it's all tied up in that and um, being worried to ask for more. Completely. Um, So, yeah, it makes me really fume when like the media like buys into that. Well, they do all the time because they're funded by people who benefit from it. Absolutely. Yeah, so that makes me really annoyed. Good answer. Moment you found some shit out about yourself. Um, so I think basically, um, I moved from like role to role in mm-hmm. terms of my career and I kind of realized that I was like offsetting a lot of like problematic shit, maybe. Um, what do you mean by that? I think my politics changed basically. Okay. I think I think basically I had had quite a like liberal view of like the workplace. Uh-huh. And I kind of moved professions and realized that you need kind of like collective action and collective like okay. solidarity and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, and that was like really encouraging. 
So what does that look like within a workplace then? Um, what are the differences that you've I think you need to recognise that um, there's a difference between management and the workers. Um, and I think you need to recognise that like the two aren't kind of like necessarily the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like capital, which is um, at play, which needs to be kind of... Um, yeah, recognised between in the workforce. Capital being? Uh, just like the fruits of the labour mm-hmm. of the workforce mm-hmm. and like just all of this stuff needs to be kind of like recognised right. for people. Yeah. I don't think I was like quite aware of that. And okay. then I think during the pandemic, I like became more aware of that. Mm-hmm. I think it's particularly in the arts as well, which I was predominantly in beforehand. Yeah. Um, that's all a little bit disguised because... Um, arts workers or artists are uh, exceptionalised, I would say. Okay. Um, Which is a problem we have as well uh, in XT, the performers' union. Like, there's a sense that um, creatives are not similar to the standard workforce. Mm -hmm. Um, but And that kind of benefits capitalists. Really? Okay, tell me because, more. Because it means that um, creatives think that they can be exploited or they can work loads of hours or they can do whatever yeah. because it's part of artistry. Yeah. And it's a sacrificial thing. It's like a martyrdom. Absolutely, yeah. Thing. Yeah. But what we need to like kind of ham into like everyone is that artists and creative and performers are workers like everyone else. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, yeah, that's something that I kind of became more aware of yeah. in the and last that, years. Yeah. And that's something that I see across the board with a lot of my friends who are actors because acting is the dream mm. and you're kind of told that you have to suffer for yeah, it. that's it. Um, to be good at it and you have to say yes to things and you have to show willing because, like, if you say no, then they'll just choose someone else because it's there's... Not true. There's so many people out there that, like, why would they choose you? They want you, though. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, this is, like, a a myth that's bandied around the acting profession. Mm -hmm. They've asked you. They want you. They can go for someone else, but it won't be the person they want. That's interesting. Do you know what I mean? Like, and the idea is that there's this, like, scarcity mentality Mm -hmm. around performing, Mm -hmm. but it's, like, they won't get the person they want if they go for someone else. Wow. That's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah, it is. And it's also that thing of, like, what we were saying before, like creativity being the thing that fulfills you. So it's like the line between when does it stop becoming enjoyable and when do you feel like you're over-exercising yourself? Or mm. Yeah, I don't know. Because it's hard to switch off, isn't it? Say you're doing a piece of art or something. Like it's not necessarily nine to five. Mm. So it's so easy to just yeah. keep pouring yourself into it and yeah. can leave you feeling so exhausted. Totally. Because it's not a thing that you check out and you leave. Um, no. And you want to do it to the best of your ability because it's something that you're passionate about and something yeah. that you care about, but it can end up with just being exploited. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think, yeah, I think with performance and stuff, because it is an industry that's like relatively regulated, mm-hmm. it needs to not buy into that sense that you can just kind of overexert yourself and that's yeah. fine yeah there was something I think it was at TWT actually um I went to a talk that I think was um 
led by members of equity, always really stuck with me, and I don't know whether it's necessarily relevant to what we're speaking about now, but I guess there's some parallels, was, for example, when you look at a theatre space, and, and they found this a lot during COVID, of how the performers were treated in comparison to how the workforce were treated, so like the stewards and the people who work on the bar and stuff like that, and the the actors were kind of treated better. Yeah. Um, and I guess across the board they are. This is even without COVID, but um, they're treated with more respect and they are the performers and they're the people who come onto the stage and stuff like that. And everyone else kind of gets fucked over by working ridiculous hours. I mean, I have a friend who's doing eight shows a week working as yeah. a steward um, and he's exhausted by it. And But what, what this talk was saying was that they don't realise that they're the pool that are going to become those actors mm. because... Working in theatres is like attracts actors and playwrights because they want to be in that environment and they want to be around that. So essentially, be fucking nice to your staff because they're the people who are going to be coming back that you're going to be begging to have on stage to have their play put on. Yeah, how it kind of trickles down, but it's also the fuel to the industry is is the people at the quote-unquote bottom who... Will. Well, it's kind of like similar to like how the RMT strikes being talked about, yeah. like everyone being like, oh, well, train drivers get like, well, they're using like inflated numbers, but like around 60K. Yeah. And it's like this strike is not about the train drivers. It's about like, it's like about the cleaners. Yeah, it's about like exactly. everyone like on the rail. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. stuff gets misrepresented. Yeah. Um, okay. Shittest piece of advice you've received? Pay attention to anything that anyone said. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like I, I repeatedly get told probably by like family members and stuff that like you need to like listen out to like what's been told to me mm-hmm. and I don't I don't think I should um I'm having a situation at the moment where like some family members being like I've got a family chat and they're being quite like fat phobic mm-hmm. and like just like quite like rude about people because they think it's a laugh right and that's meant to be like a thing that we all partake in and that's mm-hmm. meant to be a bit of fun. And I think that one of the worst things you can do is kind of like buy into that or engage with that. Because it's like a family member or it's someone who you ought to look up to or that kind of thing, like respect yeah. within a family situation. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. And also just like because you're like giving them a pass because they're family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or but, that you can't take a joke. Or, but you can't, yeah, well, yeah. that's the main thing. Like yeah. the response has been like, you're being fucking boring again, yeah. Layla. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, well, I just don't agree. Yeah. Um. So I think, yeah, hold your own. You don't have to be like massively, massively like critical or anything, mm-hmm. or um, super kind of contentious. Yeah. When you're dealing with like someone who has like a hugely different opinion to you. Yeah. But maybe yeah, you don't have to go all in as well. Do you think that's something that you have always? been good at or is it something that you're getting better at um it's a weird one with family because I genuinely think I've like had quite similar perspectives yeah in the past mm-hmm. um I think it's more kind of like since yeah the last couple of years I've been a bit better at doing that yeah um, but I think so many of us have like just grown so much in our understanding of language and how language is used and stuff mm, like that yeah how do you deal with it um there's different views having honest conversations yeah yeah um 
I think I'm I like, guess like not going on the attack is like what I've learned. Yeah, definitely. And I think when you have that lit up inside you, it's so easy to just want to fucking yeah. go at it. I think I'm quite fortunate in the fact that my family get it. Like, yeah. I've always been really lucky with that. I guess when I have felt like that might be like contentious political views and it's hard, isn't it? Because you want to go in and you want to be like, yeah, totally. how the fuck can you think that? Like, here are the facts. Like, come on, like, what's going on? And actually that pushes people away and actually makes them yeah. double down in what they've done because shame. Yeah. <laughs> because people feel shame. Yeah, and because they uh, might... An amazing thing that I listen to, actually, just throw away my podcasts, <laughs> left, right, centre. Such a podcast binger. But Jamila Jamila did this podcast with this man. Can't remember his name. Just popping in to let you know that I did find out what the podcast was. And it was Jamila Jamil's I Way. The episode was Men's Violence Against Women with Dr. Jackson Katz. It's really good. I recommend listening to it. Okay. Back to our podcast. Basically, it was in light of Sarah Everard, and he is this man, this American professor of, like, women's rights. And he talks about it, like, because it's so exhausting for women to talk about it. He talks about it really eloquently and, like, correctly. And one of the things that he said in that is how to have conversations with your lads if they're having, like banter that feels sexist or like how do you call someone out I think was the question and he said um don't do it then because what's going to happen then is they're going to be met with like shame and what that instant like what that returns is defensiveness and they kind of double down on it and stuff like that but actually like recognizing it you know mulling it over or whatever and then taking them to one side at a later date be that one-to-one be that hey man like just dropping you a quick message you know I think what you said the other day wasn't great and I think you'd agree that that's not how you want to come across um yeah didn't want to call you out in front of everyone just wanted to say it and then it's kind of it gives them a time to receive it without feeling like they're being I guess shat on in front of people yeah totally totally yeah I think that kind of comes back to, like, the previous question as well. Like, I, yeah, with my ex, like, we had, like, very different, like, mm. political views and stuff. And I kind of learned a lot to, like, just be like, oh, why did you come to that position? Wow, it's hard, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Which it? was something I was never like before. Yeah. 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 And often because you think in relationships that you just want someone who completely aligns with your views. Mm. Um, there can be, there can be uh, positives in that not happening yeah, because it expands you yours. You yeah. learn a lot, but also some people are just right. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, okay. Shit you wish you'd known sooner. Um, I think that um, weird hustle culture in the UK mm-hmm. that needs to be stamped out immediately. Okay. So what do you mean by that? <laughs> um, which is just like working 24-7, mm-hmm. like a culture of presenteeism, mm-hmm. um, which for anyone who's not familiar with that term, is like just presenting, which mm-hmm. is just showing that you are visibly doing shit right. all the time. Yeah, And that can be in a traditional workplace office, that can be in freelance culture, mm-hmm. that can be on social media. Yeah. 
it's a real kind of like um, emphasis on proving your worth, mm-hmm. um, which is intrinsically linked to, yeah, capitalism. Yeah. And I wish I'd learned, yeah, sooner that that was what that was. Mm. Um, and I'm really glad I know that now. Yeah. But that's having come like through it. And I'm still like, uh, still experienced a lot of those traits. But mm-hmm. um, I'm glad to like kind of pull myself up on that so, and pull my friends up on that when I see them doing it. <laughs> knowing that now, how does it change the way that you behave? Um, I think <sighs> I just don't allow myself to have a go at myself mm-hmm. for like um, not doing what I think worry might not be enough yeah, <laughs> if yeah. that makes any sense shame. We yeah the shame. Sh- it's back to the yeah, shame question yeah. but like also i'll like call my friends out as well that's really good because it, i think it i think to be honest like we're kind of weaning ourselves off it a little bit i think it used to be like a big thing on twitter like 2017 ish yeah um and i think it's calming down now yeah, but i think yeah. it still do- does exist in certain spaces so um we just need to make sure that we're like acknowledging it all the time definitely and i my friend kind of calls it toxic positivity that's it not toxic positivity that's a different thing toxic productivity productivity yeah and that like chase 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 looking like you're busy constantly not resting like feeling bad if you rest like who am i it doesn't make you a better person than anyone else no it just burns you (laughs) the fuck out um and i yeah and living with it when you can see it in friends is very exhausting too because you either acknowledge it and you understand it for what it is or it kind of triggers that within you and you start to feel like you're lacking and you start to feel like, oh shit, well, I should be doing more, I should be doing more. exactly. I think it's a London thing as well. It's been exacerbated. And because I've said this to friends quite a lot, when I go home to like Oldham, I will rest and I'll have no qualms about it. Like I'll wake up in the morning and I'll be in my pajamas up until like one o'clock and <laughs> I'll just be watching like my favourite TV shows and by the end of the day I'm like, that was a day well spent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But if that's here, like I that never happens in London. I think it is London. I feel a lot of it. Guilty. I feel like I should be doing something. I feel like I'm wasting my time. I feel like I've missed out like mad FOMO like yeah, it is. It is the London like everyone's like in in this rat race, and it's you know, yeah. Even to the point of like food and eating, and it's always on the go, and it's like no one just stops and just like fucking sits in the moment and yeah. eats a sandwich anymore. Which <laughs> all right, <laughs> which is why I think it's important to put like a name on it. Like yeah. presenteeism, like is the actual name, yeah. and it's like your kind of hoping to be congratulated mm. for showing up and for like being or doing too much yeah. it's like that's actually a problem yeah yeah <laughs> um so yeah I, I wish I'd realized that sooner before mm. I was doing like overwork and mm. that no I'm happy I've realized that classic thing of like not being able to you can't you can't <laughs> pour from an empty cup no you can't yes basically that that you can't pour from an empty vase you can't Add water to a full vase. <laughs> Something That's like that. That's a lovely that. phrase. Thank you so much. I've completely butchered it. Mm. Um, burn your candle at both ends, essentially. Oh, and then one. there's like nothing left. It's, uh, listen, I'm a quote a day. That's me. Any more um, quotes? No. I mean, I have other ones, but not relevant. I love that one. Um, but yeah, but it's that thing of like, you can't 
pour from an empty vase. Vase. Is <laughs> <laughs> that even a thing? No, you never say it. it's not vase. Jug. Cup, probably. Cup. Yeah. Because if your cup's empty, what are you pouring? There's nothing left to pour. There's nothing left to pour, babes. You need Bebs. to. <laughs> you need hydrating. You need to wait and hydrate. There's many <laughs> water based. Quotes. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, this nicely <laughs> this nicely brings us on to um, a shit short. Okay. You're looking at me with a blank expression because someone didn't read. I didn't the read that they should So a shit shot is a photo that might spring to mind. Could be on Instagram. Could be one you've taken. Could be one you're in. That to the outside world would look like you had your shit together, but like you posted it at a time when you felt like you didn't or. Okay. You just you just didn't. Missing. Um, so I'm holding some like freshly brewed bread. <laughs> Don't know if you talk about that. Bread. Is that a sourdough? It's a sourdough. Uh, it's a big old heap of sourdough. I look really happy. The sourdough. It's in the pandemic. It, oh, of course. So it's like the first couple of weeks in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you do I'd, banana bread as well? I didn't do it. Okay, you stopped at the sourdough. To be fair, I didn't bake this. I bought you didn't. it. Oh right, you bought it. Yeah, okay. I bought it. <laughs> yeah, but um. I feel like I look like I've got my shit together. Yeah. Um, but I you look very happy with that sourdough. Had just been furloughed. Right. And didn't know if I was gonna be fired. Mm. And um yeah, it was all going to shit. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Work wise. Um but yeah, I look really happy there. Yeah. In Nunhead. Yeah. It does look like an excellent sourdough bread. Thank you. Um I guess I was like making a couple of savings. Mm-hmm. But you know. That's a good one. Thanks. Yeah. Because you look like, to the outside point of view, you you look like you're glowing with your sourdough bread. Thanks so much. But inside you're crumbling. Crumbling. Like the dough. <laughs> the dough is moist. Layla, have you got your shit together? Have I? Mm-hmm. Is that the final question? It is. Yeah, do you like it? Um, it, goes, it comes around in a circle. It does. <laughs> it does. <laughs> um, I think, I don't think that's possible. Really, mm-hmm. um, it depends on your kind of like interpretation of shit together. Mm. Um, but I think I think uh, you're always clambering. Yeah, that's what clambering, I'd say. Clambering, that's a good word. Yeah, yeah. And I'm currently clambering, but probably like eighty percent shit together. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, it's good to know. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks. Off to get a gherkin. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. This podcast is produced by Ant Hickman. The artwork is produced by Tim Saunders and the photography is by Patch Bell. A massive thank you to Cassia for letting us use their song Slow. See you on the next episode of Have You Got Your Shit Together? Now and then I'm just a little bit low I always try to lose my mind in a conversation with you